Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a very wonderful, awesome guest slash listener with us today, host of Screw It, we're going to talk about comics, Kevin Hines. Hello, guys. Thanks What's for up? having me. I really had the hello. Did you, did you see that? Thank you for hitting that hello so it's easier for me to edit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. This is, I think, yeah. this is my third time on the show. Yes, it is. Very. Yes, I'm flattered is. and I'm excited to talk uh, uh, comic books with you guys. Hell yeah. Awesome. And you can, you can hold us above your brother. We've only had him once. I, I'll, I'll rub it in. <laughs> yeah. It is a pleasure to have you uh, back. Um, you have a great other comic book podcast, of course, which Kate already referenced. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. What are you currently, you and Will, reading right now? So we just finished up a season on uh, Frank Miller. Basically, we did Dark Knight Returns and Born Again, the Daredevil uh, series that he did. Uh, and now we're kind of we've changed our format so much right now. We're just covering <laughs> Uncanny X-Men and answering listener mail. And then we're going to transition into a new season, which I guess I'm technically announcing with you guys because I don't think we've announced on our podcast. Whoa. yet. Uh, but maybe it will have. But I don't know how things get released. Um, but we're going to be covering our Kurt Busick's work. Uh, like uh, we're going to kind of do an episode on each title that he was sort of when he kind of broke big. So we'll do like his Avengers run, his Thunderbolts run, Marvel's, Astro City, and a couple other things. So it'll be like five or six episodes, each one about like one of his big titles. I really loved his work. I still love his work. That sounded like I don't love it anymore. I love his work. <laughs> Uh, but I, I discovered him with Marvels when a lot of people did, and I now read everything he did, and so it's really fun to revisit. I think he's just a really great. He was a really great mainstream superhero writer, and he is just a really great writer in general. And it's fun yeah. to uh, explore all that. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> I loved it. I loved. Um, I'll have to check that out because I come in and out. Uh, I don't know why I'm admitting that. I come in and out of <laughs> you guys' podcast because I'll play like I'll just fall behind. I'm very bad at. It's staying on up to date on my podcast. Sure, I listen to stuff that I, I've read or, or watched, or depending on what it is. Like if it's media, I have I don't listen to like podcasts about movies I haven't seen or shows I don't sure. watch. Like I'm like I want to reaffirm what I already think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with you guys, I often listen to mostly your BPRD ones because I want to reread those. I'm like, oh, this is a good excuse to break these out. The Hellboy stuff, I, I sometimes listen to and sometimes don't. I, um, and it's mostly like, oh, do I want to reread that volume right now? Um, right. But the BPRD stuff, man, I uh, I feel like lots of people love the Hellboy stuff, but only you guys talk about the BPRD. So it's like, oh, good. I can finally talk to someone about this, which means yeah. listen to you talking about it <laughs> and maybe awesome. writing in an email. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate those emails. <laughs> I have a question. I, uh, this is off the cuff because I was like, oh, I forgot to send an email in. And I was like, they probably uh, I think I didn't send this email in because I was like, they probably have a hundred people already asking or they probably covered it in the podcast. I'm just not listening regularly to hear it. So you and your brother will host that show. Um, you're big. You started that as screw. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man, of course, and then yes. transition to other comics. You're big Spidey heads. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of No Way Home? <laughs> uh, the movie, Yeah, we did talk about that. We didn't. I, did, I, did we do a full episode on it? I can't remember if we did. Or, uh, or I think we didn't do a full episode, which is dumb. We're bad about <laughs> things that would like sell. We're trying to get better about it. Like we did a, um, a Moon Knight episode. When cool. that show premiered, I uh, love the Spidey guys. Didn't do a full episode on No Way Home. No, we definitely talked about night. it. 
Uh, I loved it. I was excited. I thought the trailer was really fun. I got very excited when I saw the trailer. Will was very down on the trailer. Uh, but then we both got swept up in the movie completely. I was when I heard the concept, I didn't love it. Right. Like uh, this nostalgic thing where it's like, oh, we're just going to like trade on the fact that you love all these old movies is always like, well, that's not enough. But then I watched it. I'm like, I did love all those old movies. Yeah. <laughs> so it works yeah. 100%. Uh, so I, I loved it. I cried. I laughed. Um, I don't know what you guys thought of it. It felt like more of a comedy than like an action movie, largely yeah, it was to me. Yeah, pretty silly. Yeah. There yeah. Was, yeah. Especially once like once the other Spider-Man showed yeah. up. Like, I mean, I loved that they give Andrew Garfield so much like really gold material there. Like, he just gets to be so funny and kind of like redeem himself for his movies or yeah. whatever. It's great. It's really Ex- cool. Especially because the actors were never the complaint about his movies. Right. right? right. So it's like, get, let him be in a good movie with this character. And he, he's so charming. Knocked it out of the park. Uh, so did Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. I agree. <laughs> like they proved they were not the problem. Yeah. With their movies. Yeah. Uh, he was great. He was, it was just, I laughed so much in the movie and I feel like all three Spider-Man Marvel movies have been like more comedic than I generally would probably would opt for. But then at the same time, like, I don't know, I love them. So it works. So and by this one, because it was a third one, I sort of like, yeah, they're going to be funnier. I keep forgetting that. And then they start in like the first half hour. That is just like a silly movie. Even before the Spider-Man show up, it's like, (laughs) how do I get away from these crowds? I'm like, what a weird way to deal with his identity being outed. And then. I'm like, oh, you know what? I love it. <laughs> and when this Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. showed up, I it was the only movie I've seen during the pandemic in theaters. Yeah. And uh, I shouldn't have gone. It was like height of Omicron. I was like <laughs> sitting in the theater going, this is a huge mistake. And the crowds were so into it. I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm seeing it, though. It's so much more fun to have all yeah. the cheers. I missed lines because everyone was cheering so much. Oh, and yeah. It, and it yes. felt great. Yeah, when anyway. Tobey Maguire like walks through the th- portal, yeah. like the crowd went crazy. Yeah. We oh. saw it. I saw it with my sister in 4DX. Have you ever seen a 4DX? <laughs> no, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, it's okay, wild. I didn't know I've what never it done mean. it. <laughs> I, okay, so I I was visiting the East Coast to see my family, and my sister was. I, we kind of did a catch up. She had never seen any of these new Spider Mans, but she's like into it. So I was like, all right, let's watch them all, and then we'll go see this new one. And my hometown theater from like when I grew up, this just a regal theater. I was like, oh, it's showing this thing in 4DX. I think it's like rumble seats or something. That sounds fun. This is like a big, silly, fun, like action movie. Yeah. Let's go see what this is. It was fucking crazy. It was like a roller coaster almost. Like we were in a little section of like maybe like four attached seats, but they were fully. It was like Universal Studios. It was like moving. This is in like fucking Bumble fuck. <laughs> Bucks County, PA. It's, it's like, like Star Tours. Yeah, it was like there were dude, there were like um like smoke machines and like when there was snow on the screen, like they blasted cold air on you and like when um Does that help like, the movie or is that just distracting? Listen, listen, it was I, I there, don't see any other movie. I kept asking her, I was like, imagine trying to go see like Lawrence of Arabia in a fucking 4DX, like without like blasting sand in your face. Like it's like not a way to see a, a movie. It's not a good way to see any movie except for the, this one, like want, this one or like Fast and the Furious or something. I, 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 4D to me should be uh, all time. So it should be they're blasting every scene of the movie at the same time for two hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Time yeah, you're has just no entering. Meaning. Yeah, everything flattens. <laughs> everything yeah. is in your periphery. Like it never yeah. goes away. It's just always every scene is there. Yeah, I think that's how it should be. Yeah, uh, yeah. And make a movie that works to that. Yeah, I don't even yeah. really love 3D movies generally. Uh, a couple Usually, I have. But, we're not ones to go to it, but yeah. I, for whatever reason, I was like, well, I've never. What is this? I don't know. Let's go see it. Though I heard the, dude, a Spider-Verse was really good in 3D is what I was told. And I, I regretted not seeing that one in 3D. But I don't know if I could have handled it in 3D because it was already so kinetic and crazy. Like, yeah. I feel like kids yeah. can, like, process that kind of shit so much faster now. Like, I feel like movies are just going to get faster and faster and faster like that. What I heard crazy. from Spider-Verse is they did, like, a good job of, like, the sound effects and stuff were sort of, like, on another layer uh, and so, like, cool. when, when he starts getting his powers, like, they really played into it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? That might be a cool second time to watch yeah. the movie. Yeah. yeah. But by the time I heard that, I was like, I don't go. I just don't make it out to theaters that often. I was like, I'm not going to pay another 20 bucks, even though I loved no, it. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll buy yeah. it when it's on uh, streaming. And I did. And I've watched yeah. it a number of times. And my son went through a period where he watched it every day. So I've seen it a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a great one to rewatch. I, I mean, awesome. it is. It, as far as movies that he wants to watch over and over again, I, I can handle this. For sure. That's awesome. <laughs> but as you can tell, we all, we both really loved No Way Home. I think it. Oh, that's um, good. Uh, big fan of it. I was, I loved it. I saw it three times in the movie theater. Weirdly, uh, a friend of mine was baffled because unlike you, unlike you Kevin, like, who did have like a a love for those other movies? I didn't love those movies. I don't have like an affinity for the Sam Raimi Spider Man, but I think that movie is so good that it works no matter what. And yeah. I confirmed that with my nieces and nephews who I saw it in the third time I saw it. And I was like, have you seen those movies? And they're like, no, but they love that movie. <laughs> I, I, I want to show it to my five year old. He's never seen any of the other movies, and I, I think he'll enjoy it. Because I think he gets the idea of multiverses now, which is an insane thing to say about a five-year-old. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it'll. I don't need. I don't think I need to show him five movies to prepare him for it. Right. Uh, the Sam Raimi movies are interesting. I love them. Uh, um, I don't hold them up to the same regard some Spider-Man fans do. I think some people hold them up as like the pinnacle of superhero movies. I'm like, I think they were great for their time. I mean, this is a time before MCU. This is like other than like the Superman movies and the Burton Batman movies, there hadn't been good superhero movies. And it was like, oh, good. Another good one mm-hmm. it is what it just felt like. Like I had a lot of problems with it, but overall it was like, this is good yeah. enough. Like it used to be you'd watch a superhero movie. I'd go to every superhero movie. I'm like, this one's bad, but at least I'm seeing a steel movie or whatever. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, this one looks bad. I'm not going to go see it because there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> I like the luxury that I only have to see good ones now. I still see most of them anyway, but I still, I like those Rambi movies and I saw both amazing Spider-Mans and those were bad, Yeah, yes. but I still loved seeing it honor sort of the legacy of him on film is just very fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it, it, it shouldn't work. Those things should not work. It's uh, it's uh, South Park's member berries. If you ever watched yeah. that thing, uh, uh, where it's just like, remember this, remember that. And I'm remember like, that? that can't be enough. That can't. And then I watch it. I'm like, well, maybe it is. Maybe it is enough. Like referencing the villains they all fought. Like when they would have those little reference conversations, I'm like, yeah, I love it. I don't know. Yeah. They they pull it off. I think yeah. all those, three of those actors. And I, I mean, Andrew Garfield, we already mentioned it, but I have to mention again, he has the funniest delivery and line in the whole mm-hmm. movie to me is when they're counting each other off. And he's like, you're Spider-Man 1, you're Spider-Man 2. And he's like, 
Spider-Man 3! Like, that yeah. delivery is, th- yeah. I think, the funniest thing of last year. <laughs> to me. And he has the saddest line when he catches uh, oh, yeah. MJ. Oh, God. I, I was like, I cried. God. I've watched yes. that on YouTube a few times and cried. It, yeah, like, even really in isolation, sad. it works on me. To me, his funniest delivery was when he was uh, hanging from the ceiling with his hand. Yeah. And they're like, do something else. He goes, this is enough. And they're like, no, you need to do more. He's like, this is plenty. And like, just a, <laughs> it's sort of very matter of fact, like, yeah. come on. Improving this. It was so funny. I was like, oh, he was great. I mean, yeah. Willem Dafoe yeah. was great. Uh, better yes. than he's better yeah. in this movie than he is in the Raimi movie. And he's For good sure. in the Raimi movie. And it's just like. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Melina. I really like Alfred Molina. In this I mean, too. Melina was great. Always. I don't always know. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, weirdly, him being great. And he was great. And I was sort of like, of course. He's great. Yeah. Everyone else is sort of a question mark. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, that's what I think about Hellboy. <laughs> uh, only if we had a movie that could be that excited about it, the same degree. Mm-hmm. Only, only if, but none of, we don't need to talk about Hellboy movies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Uh, Maybe someday. Sunday. Great. Well, we have a, a fun short story to cover with you. Um, Kevin, I'll hand it over for, to Kate. You can introduce us to the Whittier legacy. Sure. Yeah, the Whittier Legacy, written by Mike Mignola, illustrated by Mike Mignola, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley, boo, and originally published uh, Hellboy, the Whittier Legacy in October 2010. And in the version that I was reading, Mignola mentions that it was published for usatoday.com to kind of like promote his comics to people who wouldn't normally see it otherwise, uh, which I thought was cool. It's like funny to see him try to like distill his comics or like his sensibility down into this like eight page promotional thing. And I think that's worth worth talking about in depth after we talk about these eight pages, like uh, the idea that this was like a cross promotional thing is so interesting to me. It's so interesting because it's like it's kind of I guess, you know, I guess we see that it's like this is a world where we go to haunted houses and there are uh, like dead people talking. It's it opens with like um, a a, a powerful family in Boston, Massachusetts uses a skull for their ceremonies, which is very like like Yale kind of bones. Like, don't they like didn't they steal like Geronimo's skull? Yeah, yeah. Skull and bones. They they, like comment it or whatever. And like. uh, (laughs) blackmail each other for the rest of time or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I read that in a book. They're all, they're all doing it. All those Ivy leagues are stealing skulls, stealing skulls (laughs) and just, yeah. Desecrating shit. So it's kind of like that. The beginning, (laughs) we've got like a skull with like this. I I like this like little uh, melted candle kind of, in the top of it, though, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have uh, Professor Emil Stoop of Boston University. He's disappeared after acting weird for a little bit. The BPRD's pulled in to kind of check out the mystery of of him going missing, and also all of these bodies that were interred, like their tombs are discovered open. So that's kind of like really quick in five panels, just blasted at you at the in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it takes you to this really rickety like fun haunted house like this almost looks like a halloween decoration like it's exaggerated even for mignola i think with his like 
the kind of like how much this house leans and zigzags. I like that when it shows that Hell- Hellboy's first image, it's just like agents of the BPRD have been called in to assist. It's not, not like Hellboy's been called in. Right. He's yeah. just like one of their agents. Is, I love that's one of the things that's great about Hellboy. Classic yeah. Hellboy is that sort of matter of factness about him being a demon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like he's one of the agents. He like he's a jobber and he goes out and does all this little, you know. Yeah. These freak of the week jobs for us. We have this fun little kind of moth theme like Mignola will do a lot in comics, just kind of have like a frog or whatever animal, like a recurring little thing that he can kind of call back to in, I guess, like set a tone or like kind of entrench it in like the natural world a little bit. This like, especially when it's like this mass of them, there's like a lot of moths kind of gathering around this house and it's. Like a little spooky. I love that Hellboy climbs through the window here. Just <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the way he chose to enter. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. He's yeah. like, well, the moths are going that away. <laughs> so I'm going to do that. We got Professor Stoop now in a, in like a robe, but not so evil a robe as like, uh, like your, not your you know, Rasputins or not your Rasputins like or he anything. Bought, he bought this from any regular like department yeah, it store. Looks comfortable. It's a bathrobe. Yeah. Yeah. He looks he looks very harmless in this first image. He looks just like yeah. a, a professor, a, a forgetful, whatever, absent-minded professor-ish look sure. going to him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he seems just like kind of like a gentle old man. But then, you know, he's holding up the missing skull and trying like an incantation, lighting almost about to light the candle as Hellboy comes in and with just like a casual, almost casual, like, don't do it. <laughs> You know, just sort of like not there's no exclamation point even. It's just no. like a, it's like, hey, stop it. it. This is kind of another day on the job sort of a thing. Yeah. The professor recognizes him, says Hellboy, and then just tries to explain himself. You know, he's not like curse you or anything like that. He's like, listen, you don't understand. I'm part of this family. I'm a Whittier. And then this the corpses that surround him in this room, one suddenly speaks. And of, and of course, like for us as the audience of USA Today and not Hellboy audience. <laughs> We're like, oh, I guess this is a world where corpses talk. And- when corpses talk in Hellboy comics, are they talking or is this Hellboy able to hear them? That's a good question. I yeah, and I don't know the answer to that. I would I, if I I don't know if I if I have a definitive answer, but I feel like I think it is Hellboy. I think they're speaking, but it's not like where everybody in the room can hear it. I think because. Hellboy's his connection with the other side and the, and the supernatural being a demon, he can hear them is how I interpret it. That's how it feels often, because like sometimes not in this story, particularly like these skeletons or whatever come to life for a little bit. But then they're always back to being skeletons later. Yeah. yeah. So either he is somehow animating them with his presence or he's just connected to them on a weird level. Anyway, yeah, it's, he's like it's, attuned it's, to this sort of like a yeah, this other level of. Yeah. It, it's a weird, yeah. it's a weirdly a thing that I associate very strongly with Hellboy. Just the idea of like, is there a skeleton in the room? It's going to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> He'll drink with them. He's done that. Yeah. He hangs out with them. He's comfortable <laughs> with them in a very funny way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Whittier's like proceeding with his little incantation. He's like, I'm entitled to the same kind of, I guess, like powers or whatever that this family derived from this magical skull. 
He lights the candle and immediately the room is engulfed in light and the skull's floating and suddenly the little sigils that were carved all over it are like floating around the skull, which is really fun. Just these great sort of like Mignola-y sort of language things as he's like whatever fucking ancient Sumerian or something yeah. that he's yeah. like copying off of. You know? when, when you read this, do you read those parts or do you sort of like see them and go like, that's a spell and move on? Sometimes I'll read them for... Mignola stuff because he'll uh, I'll look for like the recurring things like us like whatever hem you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hem. <laughs> yeah. there's like sadhu hem you know and that or like an anungun rama sort of a thing like I'll look for like little recurring stuff and it's just like sometimes that's a fun element of it like I like in comics when something's not like fully translated yeah yeah like in movies and stuff too it's sort of just like an immersive thing that I think is a nice touch and like we don't we don't have to know every single thing, you know. But yeah, some t- sometimes I'll glaze over it. It depends how much of a wall of text it is or. Yeah, yeah. I catch myself reading it out loud. I, I like I, I think on my first readings, I would be like, because I've probably read this a couple of times now, but I think the first one I would go, Uthgog, Eth, Vet, Et, M. I try to see. David, yeah. you're going to open like. a portal. What are you, crazy? <laughs> be careful. And yeah. That, All that's of your what windows slam shut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that Mignola planted a real spell <laughs> as like an Easter egg for mm-hmm. readers, you know? <laughs> I, careful, man. There are times where I read these things out loud because I, I, I have trouble reading that stuff in my head because I sort of just don't pronounce it. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll read it out loud to see how does this actually sound? Uh, how does this sound? Yeah. So yeah. That's why I ask the question. Sometimes I skip it completely. Sometimes I, I try to read it out loud. Sort of depends on my mood, I guess. Yeah. If you're just feeling into it or if it's for something short like this, I usually will. Yeah. We rewatched Temple of Doom not that long ago and it kind of feels like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You're seeing like you're seeing like a, a ceremony that like you're not supposed to see kind of a thing. <laughs> and that shit's fun take these blinders from my eyes so he's like you know he's talking to some entity I don't even know if he knows who he's talking to yet but he knows like some being is going to give him power like these like this family as he's talking to them kind of like opening or you know there's like this thin veil now between whatever plane that this thing exists on and ours and the light from the candle sort of gives this eerie green light illuminating the family they seem to be almost back in their human form and they have this little kind of metal mm, uh, amulet or something that they're all holding yeah you know and he's like give me power i want to see i want to see you know the ultimate void uh, uh, and those who shamble un uh, undimensioned in cold spaces between worlds you know, just nice spooky yeah, yeah. sort of like Lovecrafty and shit. And we Un- see like yeah, uh, undimensioned I guess, is a cool word. Undimensioned. Undimensioned is good. Yeah, yeah. The like sigils are kind of growing. We see like a nice insectoid kind of a thing. So it's a fun. It's a fun thing to have like the moths in the beginning, and then have this creature sort of look insect-like when it appears to the sky. Yeah, and then as he's doing that, as he's like opening this void, Hellboy's talking to the dead guys. <laughs> They're saying like, yeah, okay, okay, we do commune with spirits, but we always had these for protection. Does he have one of these? I don't think so. Oh, that's going to be a problem. So we have that like a fun, very like. very funny. Yeah. Conversational sort of like, and I think that's what Mignola does so frequently. And it's still so funny and always works for me where it's like one person like, like a Rasputin will go on this long diatribe, like this long winded speech about 
with this like heightened heightened voice and then either Hellboy or somebody else would be like, uh-oh, whoops, that's yeah. bad. Like, oh, <laughs> crap. He's a super funny writer, I think. Yeah. His, yeah. His comics are very, he's really good at comedy. Oh, yeah. And just, yeah, just that juxtaposition, that's like enough. Just having, and having like a, a skeleton be your straight man is like really funny or like a, yeah. you know, big red demon. <laughs> you don't have to like know the whatever's going on, but as a, as like a new reader, you can just be like, oh, this is like a fun world where like this crazy stuff is and spooky stuff is happening. But like it's still approachable in a way because they're like speaking like me. They're speaking yeah. you know, to, in normal tones of voice. The professor is being like, it seems like he's having a conversation with this thing, which is fun, like <laughs> where it's almost like probably asking him at this point, like, hey, where's your amulet? Yeah. And he's like, uh, listen, I'm trying to command you or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you don't command me. Everybody else in the family holds up their little amulet. But Emil is like his eyes have turned completely green, like the same glowing green light that's been emitted from the skull. Cut it out. You're making the dead people nervous. That's one of my favorite lines in this. this yeah. Comedy is he's not like worried about himself. He's like, you're making yeah. these dead people nervous. Yeah. yeah. So funny. It is very funny. <laughs> But I'm sure on a level that makes Hellboy nervous where he's like, well, if these guys are getting a little scared, you know, and as he as he like kind of manhandles uh, the professor, he kind of grabs his collar of his robe, the skull falls and the candles extinguished. And then on the next panel, Emil starts to change and transform into his own like bug like tentacle, tentacly creature, like a perfect Mignola monster. I love these like mandibles that kind of emerge from his his like jaw splits and you know Hellboy gives us a nice son of a yeah he gets turned upside down like a rag doll. If Hellboy gets sent on a case, something monster is going to attack him. It's just yeah. a given. He's going to get flipped upside down by a tentacle. These ones are really fun. Like I feel like at this point, Mignola's style, he's like really started to like refine this sort of what what do you what do you call it? It's like like. He just says he's very economical, like he says so much with yeah. so, so few lines. He is able to have this shorthand. He's like developed it for like years and years. And now it's like really he's like showing it off. It's really fun. Yeah. I mean, most of this two pages is like, I don't know, it's like three real words and the rest are like gods and urns. Yeah. There's <laughs> not much dialogue, but, it you know, you're not confused over what's happening for sure. And even visually, like his the simplicity of it. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Visually, you know, like his like Hellboy being turned upside down. You don't see his facial expression. He's like completely silhouetted his face. But like you have these kind of fun little almost like cartoonish skull eyes that are watching him. And it's a funny moment in more flat colors. I don't know if that's a, yeah. a, a decision on his end or the colorist or because it was digital at first, maybe, you know, yeah. Early I mean, at, at this point with with Dave Stewart, I feel like they just have such an understanding. Like, I do wonder what their conversations are like and how much Mignola even instructs him or if that's if if he does that at all. Like, I do wonder what their back and forth is like at this point or, you know, what it was like throughout their their time working together. But it seems like Stewart. I mean, he's just so talented. And like, yeah. when he works with other artists, I think he just always elevates whoever he's coloring but like i think with mignola especially he adds like such depth to stuff that i mean mignola adds this himself like he brings stuff like by having something silhouetted 
or not like he'll bring stuff into the foreground really easily like that. Yeah. But Stewart just fucking really pushes it over the top and makes it so pretty. I mean, these are pages that wouldn't work as well without the color. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it could draw probably a great, beautiful black and white Hellboy comic. But he, I think, yeah. knows that there's going to be color and he's working with that in mind. Totally. Instead of just like totally. drawing the same way. He's, I don't know, like the the billowing smoke and the tentacles, the colors yeah. of those are critical to making this read. Totally. Yeah. And like the... And like the light sources and stuff like that, like that stuff is really helped by by Dave Stewart having this like it's not even like totally white. It's like a kind of this like very faintly gradation of like, yeah, light, light green to almost white with this like other these other sort of like washed out greens in the foreground that just like makes uh, it just makes it it's so good and then you got this like fun like Kirby crackle sort of like yeah. we're calling and Hellboy as he's getting turned upside down. In the mayhem is able to pick up one of the little medallions that the family had been carrying for protection and just kind of throws it like he's playing quarters. Like he just (laughs) clonks this monster in the head and it turns back into a meal, which is so funny. That's very sudden, like clink, like thunk as it hits him in the head and he knocks back into his normal self. And it seems to like separate him from this monster that he almost brought forth into this plane. Which is funny because I, I was trying to, I think that he pulled this same move in a previous story in the chapel of, I think it's in the chapel of Moloch. He throws a button at somebody and it does a similar <laughs> thing. I, if I remember right. And then like, he just like tosses it and then it goes into <laughs> a mouth or something. And then it's like, Oh, it solved the problem. It's the magic <laughs> thing. It's the magic it. token. <laughs> Very fun. And sort of a meal comes to he's like, uh, and as he's asking what Hellboy did, his, I guess, like his soul, his like whatever's on this other plane still with this monstrous creature gets snapped in half by his jaws. And then the meal that we see in our in Hellboy's reality immediately turns to dust. He like (laughs) crumbles into a skeleton, which immediately turns to ash and has this little token just lying in the pile. And then at the end, Hellboy's just smoking a cigarette, commiserating with this guy. You know, why can't they all be that easy? That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just really like, he's casual. He's got an arm around this guy. It's fun. It's really fun. But yeah, I wonder I wonder what people who don't read comics or read Hellboy or were like, did they read this? Or were yeah. They like, it's cross promotion like this is always interesting to me because what is the goal here? The goal right. is it to give USA Today dot com some cool cred or is it to like get more readers to Hellboy? Because I can't imagine anybody who's reading USA Today and already and doesn't already know who Hellboy is yeah. caring in 2010. Right. Like, yeah. You know, like the Del Toro movies are already out. Like if you know Hellboy, you you know that. Yeah. And it's just who goes to that website I know. in general that's going to stumble on it. It's, it's a weird thing. And it happens every yeah. now and then with comics where it's like, oh, we're going to put this comic here. And I guess like I guess your hope is that like a couple of people will see it and, yeah. be, and be like, this looks cool. I want to look into it more. And that's enough, I guess, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. But it can't be a high. You know, it's like when it, when, uh, when I first moved to New York, people would flyer for comedy shows. And it was like, oh, how many people do you get to go when you flyer? Like 100 flyers, you don't get one person. Right. It's like 500 people, you might get one or two people to go to your show. And it's like yeah. the, the the success rate is so low. And I think something like this might be the same. It's just like oh, thousands of people saw it. Maybe one started buying yeah. Hellboy comics. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah. It, it's a very, uh, the timing is weird too, as you already mentioned a little bit of like with the movies being out, but he's about to wrap up his, his main storyline of Hellboy when this comes out. He's yeah. like in the middle of wrapping it up. And it's such a funny thing to be like, well, we need to get more readers. But it's like, but I'm wrapping that up. It's right. going to become yeah. a new thing. So even if somebody was like, <laughs> all right, I'll go pick up an issue. They pick up an issue. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. It seems like he's about to die. <laughs> there was a stretch where Dark Horse was putting stuff in like MySpace. And I thought that I was like, I went to MySpace to read it. But I was like. I'm going to MySpace because I know it's there and I want to read this thing. Not right. because I'm not, I'm, that's not the direction they want. I'm already on MySpace. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm in, they got me. Right. They Are they getting people on MySpace to discover this and come to the comic books? I don't know. Uh, I really, Especially in 2010, which I feel like by yeah. then it was like, Facebook time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know when they did the MySpace thing. I don't oh, know yeah. when that but happened. But they this definitely was... did. Like, we've definitely read little, yeah. like, one-off MySpace. I just don't know what year that was. That was before this, right. for sure, but I don't know how it will end. But I, I just, every now and then, they do things like this. And I guess, you know, I'd, I'd rather have them try things than just, like, yeah. resign themselves and nobody reads comics anymore. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, and it's funny, too, like, when, like, Mignola says that he's going to do this like for the website. He said he immediately forgot that he's agreed to do it. And then once the <laughs> deadline was coming, he was like, um, you know, I had a lot of stuff that was too long or too weird, basically <laughs> too yeah. strange, which I mean, you know, this one isn't like, I guess it's not that crazy, but it's still a little crazy. Yeah. You're not a Hellboy reader. There's, I, I don't know if he has any that are not strange at all. Right. So. It's right. Got, like other dimensions and like powerful influential families with a, with a skull that they use for shit. But here, uh, one good thing about, and I really, I think this is a fun eight pager. Yeah. It's a complete story. It's eight. Is it eight pages? Yeah. It's eight pages. It's yeah, a short, yeah. short stories and comics, even more than books. I think is so hard to do. It's often why like anthologies don't work. I think really. Yeah. Uh, it's like you get these comic book anthologies and like a lot of them are bad. Yeah. So like you read like four short eight page stories. You're like, well, three of them were just nothing happened. Yeah. Or they're like part one of 20 and it's like, well, I can't even remember what happened in the last eight pages. Right. So, then you wait a month for to yeah. forget what happened. So telling yeah. like this complete piece or a story in eight pages, I think is really hard. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And he nails it. Like it's very simple. Like it's a simple story that helps. He the cure doesn't come out of nowhere. It's not like the button, right? It's the coin is explained. So now we know what it is. He gets the coin. He uses it. It's There's nothing much to it. Right. But it's all laid out there. And so it's just the fun in the delivery. Uh, I don't know. Like if this wasn't an eight page anthology, you'd be like, well, that was one of the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just impressed by that because I just don't. That's a weird muscle for a comic book writer to have when they mostly are doing 22 pages uh, or more. Yeah. And yeah, I think he's able to do that. And like in the same way that we're talking about how he can he at this point, he's can deliver so much information. Yeah. So concisely, it's like, yeah, well, pay, you know, number of pages wise, too. He can yeah. do that. And he still leaves room for like, like he still paces it out in a way that doesn't feel like he's steamrolling right. through it. Like we have like the moment, the panel that's just the professor like lighting the match to light the candle yeah. on the head. Like there's like moments where we pause. There's panels of just moths around windows. Like he's still right. doing his thing. <laughs> yeah. He's still setting uh, the mood. He still spends two and a half pages on action that like you could easily make that two panels, but it yeah. wouldn't be as good. No. And he, I think he just has an innate uh, talent for that. Or he really 
labors over it. I don't know which it is. I, I'm sure it was like at first he labored over it more. And now at this point in his career, he must be confident in his ability to do that. Like, I'm sure it's still like he's so self-deprecating in all yeah. of his little like afterwards and shit. Where he's like, I'm a fucking idiot who was yeah. born yesterday. But then he's like a genius. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's evident on the page when you see it. I did, Like um, uh, Vertigo used to do anthologies all the time. They used to do, they would do like mini series, like four issues. It would be like a theme. It'd be like weird war stories. And it would be like four issues, each with four stories in them. And they were for real short stories. They were not part one of four. Um, yeah. And they were pretty good. I remember like they had like A-list writers. So it was back when like Vertigo had everybody with Neil Gaiman, yeah. uh, Warren Ellis before it was revealed he was grooming people and whatever. <laughs> Grant Morrison. Like, you know, it was these guys. And it's like, oh, yeah. And like generally three out of four would hit. And he'd be like, oh, such a, it's worth it. It's worth the money yeah. for that. Uh, and then they tried to do an ongoing one. And it was good at first. And it got worse and worse. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's hard to get. This is harder than just doing like it's so hard. It'd be easier to get one of these writers to do a four issue miniseries. That'd be good than to get them to write an eight page story. I, yeah. I don't know. It's really interesting to me. I, Marvel and DC do like holiday anthologies a lot and they're largely bad. I think there'll be like one good one in 64 pages. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. OK, well, it's not worth the money. Maybe the art it would is good. It would be better at that point. To, yeah. To make like I, I think when Wizard Magazine was a thing, they would like give you posters sometimes and sometimes there would be like holiday themed ones like yeah that's almost better to me like having sure. almost like a card or something that has like <laughs> you know superman putting a fucking star on top of the <laughs> right, right. like you know something, yeah, a poster book like might a, be better you're right it's it, it just weird or like what sometimes they'll do and they do it for a brief period and then like they stop doing it to make more money but like put it put it in the back of a normal comic like 22 pages followed by an eight page story that's sometimes yeah. like then if it doesn't work that's not what you were paying for anyway that's right you don't feel like you wasted your money but if it's good you like really remember it you're like oh that yeah. one that one stands with me i don't know yeah it's I, I reading this for the second time yesterday i was like uh, the second time for this podcast third at least time lifetime because <laughs> i owned the trade so i must have read it at some point i was just very impressed with like i'm like this just works it's it doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel padded yeah. it doesn't feel like a waste it doesn't feel like oh why did i it was eight pages the, the worst the, the, what the, what commonly like the best case scenario is like oh, i read this eight pages man eh, it was fine yeah. yeah no harm done it's like man this was fun i like like this eight page story yeah i agree uh and if i was re- when i read this because i bought my hellboys and trades i didn't get the issues by this point so i got this trade at some point and read through it i bet i read that one. I was like Oof, that was a good one next <laughs> yeah. uh, instead of like all right next uh, you know there's just a slight it could easily be nothing, and I wouldn't. This wouldn't hurt the trade collection, but it was yeah. good. And uh, I don't know, stupid. My thesis is Mike McNoll is good, but uh. no, I mean that's every single that's our week. Podcast. Yeah, that's every single week. So we're like, wow, this guy's strong at also, art. I mean, also this is like during the run where he's not drawing as much, so it's also just a treat yeah. to see his art, right? Yeah. Truly. Even in like, you know, I, I, and we mentioned this and I forget which uh, BPRD issue it was, but there's like a moment where Liz sees something happening, but it's in Mignola's art. And you're like, oh, that's like gives it validity in the yeah. story. Mm-hmm. Like she at that point in her story, she was like being hypnotized and like seeing all kinds of like shit that wasn't true. Yeah. But seeing it in Mignola's style, you're like, oh, it adds it's like adds credibility to what she's seeing and you know as the reader where it's like oh this is real which yeah she's seeing. And, I, li- I like his covers yeah, yeah. i like his pinups but like i like his sequential stuff better than all that like a page He's of so sequential storytelling it. is what i really love about him and like his covers i'm like oh, that's a good cover but yeah. it doesn't stay with me as much as like a page of comic from him 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. He really plots out his panels in such a manner that is, it's so, if, like, with lack of a better word, it just feels refined. And there's no wasted panel or space. Because I, I still read a lot of comics this day and, and even stuff I'm like, digging i'll find like panels and i'm like this is sloppy like yeah. and i can't believe this is like the person at the top right now making comics or i'm like this feels rushed or sloppy but mignola never has that moment where i'm like i'm like oh he knows exactly where he wants to fit something and i, yeah. I do think it's a mix of him just naturally knowing it but he's talked about like in the past at least i think for the storyline of the island creating like throwing out like six pages or more and starting over because he's just not happy with it. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, uh, that's so much work. <laughs> I was reading some recent Spider-Man comics to bring it back to uh, Spider-Man um, <laughs> by this artist, Patrick Gleason, who's great. It's a beautiful artist. I really like him. But every now and then, like he would have a page where I'm like, ah, it's taking me a bit to follow what's going on. Like yeah. Each panel individually is beautiful. If I just glance at the page, it's pretty. But if I'm reading it, it's like, uh, it, it it's a little disjointed. And I think he's great. I think he's an excellent, amazing artist, one of the best. But like, that's what's missing from a lot of the great artists is like, oh, totally. you didn't think about just like, or the writer didn't give you space to think about. It might not be his fault, yeah. but yeah. I'm not following this. Or it took me a minute and that takes me out of the story for a moment. Yeah. The clarity of it is so underrated. I think yeah. that I, I, the ability to tell a story clearly yeah. and and have like the flow of the page, like I'm never confused about like, where's my next panel with this? Like, and one, you know, it's like one thing because he he typically sticks with like a square panel. Maybe he'll do something fancy where yeah. it's like a panel is embedded in another larger panel or something like that. But beyond that, he's like he keeps it really clear and that helps yeah. a story's flow like it doesn't it doesn't stop you up and derail you as you're trying to read it. it um, it's the reason why like Kirby was so big when Marvel first started because he was great at that too. Like his yeah. comics were very clear and easy to follow uh, for Pete, for readers who didn't think about who the artist was. Kirby yeah. made them work and it's why Stan Lee knew that and leveraged Kirby and had Kirby do layouts for a lot. Even if Kirby couldn't draw the comic, he'd be like, you do the layouts. If someone yeah. else will really pencil it in because your layouts are so important. Yeah. Even if we're not getting it your art. It sounds so boring. It sounds so yeah. boring because you're not like talking about the, you know, like some double page spread where it's like just gorgeously rendered or something like yeah. that. But it's like so essential to enjoying a comic. Yeah, a good layout theater. artist. Uh, and, I, you know, probably storyboarders and movies and stuff like just like yeah. getting that vision down is so important. Uh, yeah. His use of like just sort of empty panels, you know, whatever, the, the skull in the corner, the window with moths on yeah. it are used to guide your eye, but also like they become like background images. And it's, it's impressive how he does it. And I do wonder when he writes for other artists, how much he's laying out for them yeah, or how much they're just sort of aping his style. Like uh, who's the guy who's doing a lot of his stuff at this era. It's like um, Duncan Figueredo of Duncan, like Duncan stuff I think is really good. And he's clearly doing a little bit of a Mignola homage in his art. But I wonder how much of that is like, is Mike telling him like now draw a panel of like, you know, a skull or a little demon in the corner. And that's in, and, or is like Duncan just doing that because he's in the vibe. I don't know. And I'd love to know. (laughs) He's trying to like capture that feeling or something. I know. I wish I could kind of, 
see their emails back and forth or something, mm-hmm. you know, like I kind of want to see what that discourse is like. But because he's such a I just think of him as such a solitary yeah. <laughs> guy. Like I it's you know, I guess he talks to his editor or whatever. Yeah. But I imagine him just cracking this in a, in his room by himself. Definitely like writer artists. It's hard for me to imagine them not to writing a full script, like writing out <laughs> paragraphs. It's like, did he, he I can't imagine him doing that. Yeah. Right. So was he drawing like stick figure versions and sending it to him? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it, it's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Hell yeah. It's a very good and surprisingly great eight issue um, storyline. As you already stated, it's wonderful. And for all of you listeners who are just usatoday.com readers who are <laughs> yes. now listening to this podcast yeah. because you got so into Hellboy. Yeah, just let us know, like, uh, how many of you there are. <laughs> yeah, please. How all this works. We'd think, love to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting to hear about how someone got into comics if it wasn't through just someone gave me a comic book, which is often right. the reason. But, like, if you got into it any other way, I think that's always interesting. I agree. Um, and we'd love to hear your thoughts for real on this storyline or anything we've ever covered or will cover it. You can share your <laughs> thoughts at ah, crap, a Hellboy podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Aw Crap a Hellboy Podcast. And then please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a boom review. What is that? What's a boom review? Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom, B-O-O-O-M. We'll read a review right here on the show and give you big old praise and all the love that you deserve. That's a boom review. Do we have time for some uh, oh boy email? I've got an email for you guys. You do yeah. have an email for oh, I have an email oh my for you guys. Gosh, yeah. That's right. Great. Um, all right. Well, we had one more segment, but we're adding another one, slipping it in here. Yeah. <laughs> and we're doing some oh boy email, email. with Kevin Hines. Great. Uh, so this email comes from Kevin. Um, it was sent uh, just last night, uh, like right, right before midnight. All right. So he starts Hey, crappers. Uh, just listen to your episode on BPRD Hell on Earth, New World. And as always, I really enjoyed your coverage of the BPRD comics and excited to have the excuse to reread these books. Uh, that's nice of him to say. Uh, <laughs> I really loved your guy. I really loved your discussion about how poor Kate Corrigan is doing at handling the BPRD. Uh, you certainly acknowledge how overwhelmed she is, and I agree. <laughs> Uh, she is doing terrible. And while she is good, she has a good reason to be struggling with it. It shows how important having someone in charge with good people skills. People do good at their jobs, get promoted, but aren't really skilled at the jobs they now have. Kate is not good at managing the BPRD's personal issues. She needs a good HR person. <laughs> a quick moment on how great Guy is. Uh, you guys agree on this, I think. Uh, there's a moment where Johan is left in charge and Kate warns him to be on his best behavior. And he says, I'll do my best. And it's so damn ominous. And he has no facial features. Something about this wide panel and the close-up really had me on edge. I love Johan. Uh, I know what panel Kevin's talking about, so I'm going to show it to you guys real quick. Uh, this is right before uh, Kate has to leave to go deal with uh, like a volcano erupting, right? Or something like that. Right, right. Um, and so, in Texas, I believe. Yeah, I think it's in Houston. So she leaves yeah. Johan in charge. And where is it? I didn't bookmark it, but I uh, give me one second while I've oh, right here. Um, so I'm going to hold it up to my camera. It's this long panel and uh, yeah. you can't read it, but it, it's something about how it's this long close up. It's not a close up in a square panel. It's this long panel. It's something about it. I don't know if Guy did that on purpose, but it, I read that. I'm like, oh, that's bad news. Johan's that's up eerie. To yeah. It's very eerie. Yeah. I mean, that's what uh, your emailer thought. I think, too, <laughs> just even the space behind him. Right. Like yeah. you get this kind of like. This sense of like, uh, and, and it probably was like a conscious decision, but to make 
to make this whole background visible of like this right. whole facility is under this one little clear guy's uh, power now. And it's like, and we know that he's already, we already know that he's like fucking off to go do whatever he yeah. wants and like stare at his body. <laughs> so like, I think, I think that's it is like, we know the environment that she's leaving him in and which maybe, you know, maybe I'm like being too like haughty about it or something. Yeah. Like maybe it's like, this is like a little lottie dog, but I think that like, I'm sure as an artist, I'm sure he thinks about some sure. shit like that. You don't have the voice, right? You don't have an actor delivering the line. So like so right. much of it is like, how do you portray this? A Present lot of times it's with it. like a facial feature and you don't even yeah. have that with Johan. It no. is amazing how much they get out of his yeah. dome. It's incredible. Yeah. And just like the zoom in too. Like yeah. I think like in, in our heads, I think everybody is so like just as, as a culture, like we're so used to like that kind of a shot in movies now yeah. like where it's like you would zoom in for emphasis on like the drama of it yeah and like even if you have no facial features like you said to look at yeah. there, the very movement the very like framing of it makes it m- kind of i think like unconsciously makes you think yeah. oh this is this is like a big emphasis on this little on this little like if it was a movie though you'd have an actor delivering line you'd have probably music behind it you'd have right, so many other right. things it's guy got it all done with that panel it's yeah uh, like Mike he is impressive in his yeah. talent they're awesome uh, Kevin has one more thing here it looks like <laughs> oh great uh, one last point you talk about the two rednecks watching BPRD coverage and you wondered what their deal was but commented that they were under the power of the crazy monster mom the the woman who was running around with the right monster baby. Uh, I think is what Kevin's talking about. Uh, the one that yeah. was sucking the souls of people. She was yeah. not actually related to that plot line. Wait and see oh. to find out more about what's going on there. Thanks for your continued coverage, Kevin. Ooh. Oh, okay. So there you Thanks, go. Thanks, Kevin, for tuning us, like giving us a hint that yeah. like there's more to come with that. Yeah, it seems because they mentioned whoever's like, in that other room. Yeah, they mentioned like there's a woman thought. in the other room. It's not. I, I, I maybe it's meant to mislead you, but it has nothing to do with the because she's Sneaky. never with them. Ever in the right. comic otherwise. So, yeah, uh, that is oh, a, a, a subplot to be uh, examined in later arcs. Wow. Wow. Fuck. Wow. You know, I'm not uh, over the moon about those two guys re- recurring because <laughs> they weren't my, f- you know, no, you're no. Reading it like he's like throwing slurs at his TV. I forget exactly what he says, but I was like, Ugh. they themselves are not the important part. But what's okay, going on okay. there is what's something uh, yeah. is. Don't yeah, expect a, a huge uh, arc about rednecks versus yeah. the BPRD. I don't think that's coming. <laughs> OK, good, well, good, good. That's a great email. Yeah, uh, good like, email. Thanks for se- thanks yeah. the thanks, email, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We Next time, send it to the actual email address. Don't send it to me. I'm not on every episode to read these. So Everybody CC Kevin <laughs> on all of your emails going forward. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm la- I love a surprise segment. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so enjoyable. Great thoughts. But we have one more segment before we get out of here and we wrap things up. We have a segment of hell to pay. Cha-ching. <laughs> This is about uh, <laughs> another one shot. Our humiliating stingers that we do ourselves. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. We don't want a soundboard. It's our mouths. <laughs> um, this is coming out in June 22nd, I believe. It is a continuation, in a sense, of the story we just covered, the Whittier legacy. Um, it's, co- it's called the old, it's old man Whittier. The, I'm pulling this from CBR.com. Let me open up the link real quick. What just- timing, Dave? 
Yeah, what I timing? Didn't, I didn't hold on to this article for this at all. <laughs> this did, this, nice. this was announced back in like March, but I was like, I got, I, we, we're gonna have Kevin on to talk about Whittier Legacy. We gotta let, we gotta talk. You're about so it smart. You're so, so this smart. is what it says about this. And the article it says, Hellboy in the BPRD, Old Man Whittier, continues a story that began in Mignola's classic short story, Hellboy the Whittier Legacy, which of course was published in 2010. The plot synopsis is in Hellboy and the BPRD Old Man Whittier, trouble runs in the family. When Catherine Whittier learns she's inherited the house she grew up in, she knows better than to return home alone. And who better to escort her than Hellboy? After all, with a house with a history like this, plot can mean more than just a family graveyard. <laughs> there you go. Huh? <laughs> Very vague in a sense. Yeah. Uh, Mignola said that the old man Whittier is a story he was dying to get onto the page following his work on Whittier Legacy, saying, sometimes my brain won't let a story die, he said. I first introduced the Whittier family back in 2010, but their story wasn't over, especially when there was a chance to collaborate with the amazing artist Gabriel Hernandez Walta. This is what Walta had to say. Drawing this Hellboy one-shot has been a dream come true. I've been a fan of Mike's work for more than 30 years, and having the chance to work with him and the Hellboy team was simply awesome. I also had the chance to draw an old house with cobwebs, ghosts, snakes, and a charismatic red demon wearing a trench coat. What Hell more yeah. could I ask for? Walt is a great artist. He's a great choice to do a Hellboy comic. He's oh, yeah. the artist who did Vision uh, with Tom King. Yes. He did Sentient with uh, Jeff Lemire. He's done some other stuff, too. He's really, really good. Yeah, he, they have a cover. I don't know if you saw that. They did release his cover for this old You man emailed Reader. it. I saw yeah. that when you... Pretty solid it's cover nice. from him. His, his sequential stuff is really good. I think it'll be a really pretty comic. Yeah. Have you read Vision? I have. Kate? It's great. You have, yeah. Kate? Oh, no, I haven't read Highly it. Highly no, suggested. Not this one. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. Um, Kevin's right. The art in that is incredible. I have to read his other stuff. I feel like I'm behind on him. It's a good comic even if you think Vision's a lame character. Let me <laughs> give you that because some people will probably think that and I think they've got good reason to think that uh, it's a really fun story. It's sort of not really is sort of uh, um, some people thought maybe it was the one of the inspirations for WandaVision. I don't think it really is other than like sort of the, the uneasiness of it. It's a story you yeah. read. And you're like, uh oh, this is bad news from panel one. You're like, this is going to yeah. end badly. I mean, as I was Googling, you know, his as I was Googling it. You do see like a panel where Vision is there in like a suit and yes. tie. And like I can see like how that, you know, it's yes. very like a 50s like Donna Reed show looking Vision family. So that I guess, yeah. That part is definitely seems like maybe an inspiration. One of Vision is its own thing completely. His, cool. his book Sentient with Jeff Lemire is also really good. It's about like a spaceship uh, where I think like all the adults die uh, except for like the, the robot the sentient AI yeah. oh. and these kids. And it's really interesting. Um, oh, cool. But Walt is great. Awesome. I mean, I don't know what we're going to get in story wise with a continuation of this. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, I, I'll, I'll pick it up just cause I'll pick it up out of curiosity and w Walt's art. Of course. I don't know if it will fall in the ranks. I don't know if either of you ever picked up the, the two page storyline that was like, the return of Effie Kolb, which was a continuation of uh, The Crooked Man. And I felt personally it was a waste of time. I was like, it was I two don't... pages or two issues? Or two, two issues, sorry. <laughs> two pages would have been insane. Yeah. Uh, two issues. And I just, I felt a like waste of 30 seconds. I didn't understand why we were returning to it. It felt yeah. very like, yeah. 
hollow compared to like most of Mignola's work. I don't. Know. I have not gotten a lot of the recent stuff. I've, I, I sometimes if he draws it or if it's really weird, I'll get it. Uh, like mm-hmm. I just got Radio Spaceman that he yeah. wrote, yeah. and that is really bizarre, and I loved it. <laughs> But I haven't read a lot of the like Hellboy and the BPRD stuff. Uh, I haven't read much of the recent stuff. I, a lot of it wasn't working for me. And so I just yeah. sort of like, I don't know. It's like, eh, maybe I'll get a collection someday. Yeah. Like um, it'll all be compiled at some point and then you can. Uh, basically, once John Arcudi leaves BPRD and Hellboy and Hell, the Hellboy and Hell arc storyline ended, yeah. I sort of like, it was harder for me to keep up with it all. It seems like that's Mignola's feeling about it too. <laughs> like it, it, it seems just, like he's kind of dips in and out. It's also way point. more fractured. It, it's even before that, it had gotten to a point where, um, like, where I was just like, oh, what do what do I read next? Like, yeah, where does this go? I don't, I don't yeah. quite like. There's too many little side minis and stuff. It's like, is this important or is this just a fun one? Or luckily, Dave keeps track of all that for me. Yeah. he's just like, read this <laughs> at this time, and I'm like, great. I need, I need you to. <laughs> help me with that too then that's the only way to do it yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm just using a publication order and i'm like i'm sort of delegating yeah, off yeah. of that like yeah. for a while i was just it would be like if a hellboy volume came out i'd read it if a bprd volume and that was it, it was just those two things and as right. it got fractured into more things i was like ah, i can't i can't do it right, anymore. right anyway each character getting their own yeah, thing yeah i don't have strong opinions on hellboy and the bprd but i it's very similar it's like i it's such a high bar the the the, the main hellboy storyline that he completed yeah then it's like i get the fun of going back to those old stories but they just don't they yeah. don't do it to me, for me the same way. Especially like, considering how good those 1950 set, whatever year those books were. Yeah, like yeah. Those first 46. two or three of those were so good Yeah, that I'm like, so it's like, it wasn't just the bar of like Hellboy to me. It was also the bar of like the Hellboy history. Uh, the yeah. room history was so good yeah. that it was like when it became sort of disposable, eh, there's a little adventure they have. I'm like, okay, well, you right. made me expect greatness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there to be like, yeah. <laughs> I want That'll be more. for I, season 10. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, well, great. Um, oh, I did want to ask you one well, thing, because uh, where are you guys going to start for like, screw it, we're just going to talk about comics with your Kurt Busick stuff. Like, what's going to be the first? That's a great question. Do you know? I don't think we know. Uh, okay. I would guess <laughs> Marvel's probably. Okay. I would think we would want to do Marvel's first. I, my My thought process would be, to kind of do almost just follow like my awareness of him, sure. which would either be Untold Tales of Spider-Man or Marvel's was like the first thing that I read by him. Okay, cool. But Marvel's is so much bigger than Untold Tales that I feel like if I don't start with that, it feels almost dumb. Like that was his big, <laughs> like this guy has arrived sort of book. Yeah. It was it was both cool and also sold really well and critically acclaimed. Uh, Scott McCloud wrote an intro for it. Scott McCloud, who did like understanding comics and Zot. Yeah. And they talked, I guess they were friends They're They are friends. And Scott was like, oh, I'll do all the stuff that's critically acclaimed, but doesn't sell. And you'll do all the stuff that sells, but you don't, is not critically acclaimed. He's like, and then Kurt did Marvels. <laughs> sort of like <laughs> angrily. Like he like, he cheated, like he, he broke. <laughs> and it's a very fun uh, look into their friendship. Uh, but oh, yeah, cool. I probably we'll do Marvels first. Then okay. uh, uh, like, it'll be like Thunderbolts, Avengers. I'll try to get ahead of it so I can, it's, like you said, like yeah. I, I usually am the same way where it's like, I want to watch the movie before I hear people talking about it's it. It's going to be, and I'll probably try to post it on our Instagram, but it'll be one of these things where it's like, we're covering Marvels. We'll talk about issue one, but we'll talk about all four sort of 
uh, in a more general sense. And then like okay, Thunder, cool. like it might not always be issue one, but it'll be like, we'll talk about these issues. But the kind of overall yeah, love of that whole, whole run, because Will hasn't awesome. read all that stuff either. Like Will read some of it, but like I read everything he did in Thunderbolts and Avengers, yeah. but we can't cover all that. So, oh, yeah. Right, right, right. So we'll like awesome. definitely read issue one of Thunderbolts. I don't I, feel, I don't know what we'll do for Avengers. For Astro City, we're definitely going to probably cover the nearness of you. OK. Which is a, a half. It's like a 12 page story. That is cool. one of my favorite comics. Of all time. And I, I'll awesome. I cry every time I read it. It's a, it's a, a tearjerker. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to. So gonna stuff like that. Um, awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And all of you do that, too. You all should. Because <laughs> the reason I've finally read the original run of Fantastic Four by Kirby and Stanley is because of their show. Yeah. That's why I finally did it. And I loved <laughs> I loved it. It was an undertaking, but it was worth it's 102 it. 102 <laughs> issues, not counting annuals. It's a yeah, lot. And it's a style that my brain is not used to and at times very hard to get through. <laughs> it also doesn't it like it, it before you get it gets good. It gets bad. <laughs> yeah, it starts. OK, gets bad. Then it gets really good. But like I remember reading those as well. We talked about it on our podcast. We got them in these the essential tomes, which were like 25 issues. Yeah. And I remember reading either volume two or three being like, I think volume one, like it got bad. And I was like, well, well I'll get the next volume. The next volume was OK. And I was like. And then I remember, like, it starts getting really good by, like, volume three. And I'm like, I haven't even got, like, to the most famous issues, it felt like. Yeah. There's, there's something going on where I was reading it going, this is good, but where's Galactus? <laughs> right. Like, that's the thing I think about. And when you when I finally got to that, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's even better. Yeah, I don't know. It, comics were a very different thing back then. It was just like people knew this comic was great, but it, want, it wasn't month to month. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, that being said, we've talked so much about your great podcast. How does how do our listeners find it? Where do they follow sure. and listen? Uh, I mean, we're on, you know, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on all those places, I think. Those are the only two places I know for sure, but <laughs> I think we're everywhere. Uh, screw it. Uh, we're just going to talk about comics. Just if you Google that uh, or search that in your little uh, podcast search engine, it should pop up. Uh, the seasons are arbitrarily marked. Uh, you can kind of jump in at the beginning of any batch of stories. We're, we're trying to get better about not being as disjointed as we have in the past. So hopefully it'll be easier to pick up and join in. But uh, we've covered Spider-Man by Ditko and Lee, FF by Kirby and Lee. We've covered the Hulk, the original Hulk run. We've covered Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, Born Again by Frank Miller, Justice League International by Giffen and DeMatties and Kevin McGuire. So many really fun comics. And we've had great guests, too. We've had like Scott Ackerman on and Chip Zdarsky, Tom Brivroot, uh, Jeff Smith is one of our uh, here. If you're going to listen to one episode, our Jeff Smith interview where he talks about the recently passed Neil Adams uh, is really great. We had Jeff Smith on during when we were having a bunch of guests and we have our guests pick a comic they want to talk about. He picked this issue of Batman by drawn by Neil Adams. And generally, our intent is we'll talk about the comic for 10, 15 minutes and then we'll get we'll talk to the famous person that we're bringing on our show, Jeff Smith, yeah. who did the Bone comic book, which is so good. Jeff Smith was so excited to talk about Neil Adams. That's all we talked about. He wow. wanted to talk about every single panel in this comic. <laughs> he was so infectiously excited that we were like, well, this is just where it's going. And it's yeah. great. It's really great. It's really fun. He, Jeff was great. Love him so the much, The comic too. was great. Uh, it was a really fun. Even if you haven't read the comic, just listen to Jeff. A fuse over like a Batman artist is so interesting and fun. And he's such a fucking awesome artist. Like, it's nice to hear he's him great. 
Yeah. Kevin, I want to thank you again for taking the time out, especially on yeah. Mother's Day. <laughs> no. Uh, for us wasting your time on Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Tell your wife sorry. <laughs> uh, She's happy to be rid of me for a little bit. And thank you for bringing us a, a segment today of Oboy oh email. <laughs> no yeah. problem. I really appreciate all of it. All your thoughts have always been, we love it. Um, everybody should check out your other podcast. Um, screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. But again, just thank you. Thanks. Looking forward to the next episodes of your podcast. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> well, that was that was fun to have him back um, on the show. Hell yeah. Good to hear from him. Yeah. That was great. It was a great short story to, to cover. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it really was. It, it show, again, we've already talked about it, but it shows how great Mike Mignola, Dave Stewart, and are as a team. Oh, yeah. Pull that out in uh, eight pages. But... Next week, um, this next coming episode, we're going to be tackling the Fury. That's what we're going to be jumping into. Um, we're going to we're going to be winding out the end of the Hel- original Hellboy story run. It's crazy. It's crazy. Ugh. I can't believe it's upon us. It really is wild yeah. that we've come this far. Um, <laughs> but next week we'll be covering chapters one and two in the Fury. That's issues. One Four years. Two. It feels like we're graduating Hellboy or something. We're like. We have our Hellboy degree. We'll have our caps and we'll take the tassel <laughs> and change it to the side or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> our Hellboy. It's a little right hand of doom tassel. Aww. Switch sides. But that's it for this episode. I just wanted us to wrap up and say thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. And remember. We love you. I don't know why that song, but... I love it. Ever wanted to hear from the neighbor at 9 Cloverfield Lane? Or what if I told you that Dr. Loomis's worst patient wasn't Michael Myers? I'm Adam Peacock, host of the podcast My Neighbors Are Dead. Join me each week as I talk to the lesser-known characters from your favorite horror films. Each week is an all-new, fully improvised journey into the unknown, featuring friends and luminaries from the worlds of comedy, horror, and beyond. New episodes every Tuesday on Campfire Media. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Campfire.